Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love, where talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're talking about cisgender partners of transgender partners with my guest today, Sarah Scales. She's a licensed master social worker with the Center for Relationship and Sexual Health with me, actually, in Royal Oak, Michigan. She has a special interest in helping families and adolescents navigate the challenges the younger generation face as they grow up and become more independent. Sarah also works with individuals who identify or are diagnosed with neurotypical conditions such as autism spectrum disorder, ADHD, and intellectual disabilities who need help with managing depression and anxiety. But today, she will share a personal story. She will talk about her experience as a cisgender partner of a transgender partner and provide some advice to help others successfully successfully navigate this type of relationship. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me today. It's really good to have you. I'm so happy that you're joining us. And I specifically um, so glad to have you joining the center. So that's always um, a pleasure to have you as a therapist with us. But the fact that there's nothing really out there about a mixed, what do you call this? It's not mixed. It's like a mixed gender identity relationship. You know, we never put a name on it, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I, I think you could say a, a mixed gender identity or a, um, a, a, a cis and trans partnership, uh, something like to that effect, I suppose. I'm not sure if there's an official name. <laughs> well, I know that therapists and um, my clients are always saying, what are the resources? Where are the books? What can we do? And there's really, there's really nothing. And I've gone to several conferences and there might be one person doing it and they never really do the best job. I don't know why. Do you find the, this, the dearth of this too? Not dearth. What is it? Sparse. Yeah. Well, I think for me, what's also hard too is in general, when it comes to LGBTQ with couples, the information is so heteronormative already. So you have this added thing on top of it and it, it feels like a unicorn, as they might say. It feels very unique. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. And um, and it's it's less and less unique, but it's so little talked about. So I'm really glad you're here to do that. And and we'll do that as as much as you're willing to share. Absolutely. Happy to help. So, um, so many uh, of the couples that I see where this is the case, it happens after the fact, you know, they, they have already gotten involved. They're already committed. They may be married. They may have children. And then uh, one um, starts transitioning. Um, is it, was that the case with you or did you go into it knowingly? I went into it mostly knowing uh, my uh, partner at the time more identified as a kind of closeted, somewhat more gender fluid at the time. And so I came into the relationship understanding that there was a a trans element to it. However, the decision to fully transition both socially and somewhat physically did happen in the course of the relationship uh, before we got married, in fact. Okay. So then you would identify as cisgender. Is that correct? Correct. Cisgender woman. All right. And how would your partner identify? Transgender woman. Okay. All right. Great. And can you, would you be willing to share um, what, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Uh, I think the biggest challenge at the time was just knowing how to deal with public interactions and knowing my place and how to assist in those areas, when to stand up and speak, or when to stand down and to support. 
I think also naturally, like a lot of the clients you see, knowing what the future of our relationship was going to look at, like, especially knowing what the future of our relationship would look like with each other, Mm. knowing what we were, what the two of us were going to look like and knowing what my partner was going to look like. There were a lot of conversations once the transitioning was going to happen. That makes sense. And I'm sure they were probably difficult conversations, just like anything in a relationship where things, uh, differences start to surface. Absolutely. I would say it was very similar to those kinds of conversations. I think it it is unique in, in its challenges, but definitely those conversations were just like any other differences in opinion or just differences in um, what what you just said, what we expect in a relationship. What would you say are some of the responsibilities of a cisgender partner uh, in relationship with a trans partner? I think it's important for a cis partner to be able to separate their feelings uh, from what their trans partner is going through. A cis partner has valid feelings of concern and uncertainty, but they're your feelings to be responsible for. Just also in the general nature of the relationship, it's also just a really good idea to make sure you're checking in with your trans partner on anything regarding what they want to be referred to as in different public settings and in private and respecting what that looks like because it could be different from situation to situation. And then what about um, the responsibility of the trans partner for, you know, in the relationship? You know, it's hard for me to say specifically only because I'm not the trans partner, but I will say what has been helpful is for the trans partner to be open to the fact that there are going to be challenges on also the cis partner side and also knowing when uh, when to maybe share those challenges together and maybe when each of those partners need to turn to other support networks for those challenges. Yeah. And then where do they find those support networks? Like people ask me all the time, where do online uh, communities exist for the couple, for the trans person, for the cisgender person? Yeah, that's such a hard question to because there really isn't a lot of uh, support networks. I would like, I think the best way to think about it is actually the grief circle the person in the center and the different circles outer. I think when it comes to transitioning, the trans person is in the center of the circle. They're the one going through that experience. Mm. The cis partner is on the outer circle. So that means that the trans person is going to look for that support outward. But for some of the things that the cis partner is going through, some of those feelings of concern and uncertainty, obviously some need to be shared in a couple-to-couple setting. But some of those feelings also should be turned outward to people that they feel comfortable with, if there are supportive friends and family, for instance. That makes sense. I know there's a lot of... um... Uh, possibilities on Facebook too. There are groups, but when you go on Facebook, you're going on with your real name, your real identity. Whereas like Yahoo groups or other online groups, you can kind of go in and, and be more private. I know people want that more in the beginning for sure. Yeah. Reddit, I know has lots of different communities for all sorts of things. And I, I would not be surprised if this kind of a community could be one of them as well. The, the nice thing about Reddit is it is more uh, private, like you said, and it is, there's a lot of people that go on there. There's also the problems with that come up with Reddit, which is there are sometimes not so nice people on there too. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I'm sure lots of judgment and lots of uh, angry and, and I mean, there's so much, right? People, you know, like a mixed orientation where one comes out as not straight. uh, There's a lot of anger and betrayal. I'm sure the same happens here. Exactly. Absolutely. 
but but what's nice in your situation is you went in knowing that there was some gender fluidity and that it could it could move in that direction. Absolutely. It's actually kind of funny. One of the things that we joke about is I almost personally went through my own process of feeling like my partner was going to come out as trans female someday. I kind of went through my own process believing that that was probably going to happen. I just kind of already saw the signs with her that that was the direction we were going to go. And so when it finally came out to be that way, I was almost more prepared, I would say, ironically enough. Now, I know people say this. I'm just speaking from the general population. You know, I'm on TikTok now, so uh, I'm hearing even more from the general population that I forget. You know, we get into our therapy bubble. But people will ask questions like, well, now, does that make you, a cisgender woman, a lesbian? And is your partner a lesbian? And how do you identify? Like, how do you answer that? Oh, that's such a good question. So um, I have I identify as pansexual, which is my special way of saying I don't have to answer the question because <laughs> for me it's you know for, and that is true for me. For me, I, I did discover I was pansexual before I met my partner, um, and that was my own personal kind of realization. Because for me, gender is less of a consideration for me in whether I find someone attractive or if I'm romantically attached to them. That just is how I am. Mm-hmm. So uh, my when I met my partner, funny enough, the issue in the beginning was it was less of dealing with my own um, you know, sexuality and more that I had to out myself now to family and friends because of my mm. partner, which was fine. But Honestly, the day that I had to explain that my partner and I were together was the day I had to out myself to my family and friends, mm-hmm. uh, which was I was very lucky. Uh, my closest friends were extremely supportive. My family was very supportive uh, with the whole thing. They actually knew my partner before we got together. So that definitely helped things. Uh, so for me, it that that's how I identify. And that was already the truth coming into the relationship. Uh, but yes, for my partner, she does identify as lesbian. Uh, that is the name that she holds most dear to her. I have, I always feel that labels are as useful as you want them to be. Mm-hmm. So always respect what the person's label is and less of what it should actually be. I love that. Yeah, that totally makes sense to me. I hope people hear that. Um, can you tell them though, some people hear pansexual and they're like, what the, what is that? They don't know. Absolutely. So I like to say it's part of what we call multi-sexualities. So that includes bisexual, pansexual, uh, things like that, or, or polysexual even. Uh, and I think the differences between the groups, it depends on who you talk to. And there's a lot of discussion and disagreement about it online. Some people say pansexual is just bisexual and uh, you know all these things. Right. Me personally, I ascribe to pansexual because to me what it means is that I still have things that I find attractive and that I find I am romantically attached to in a partner. And I don't just mean personality things. I also mean um, even physical qualities. But the gender identity or um, even sex uh, at birth is less of a consideration for me in that attraction. A lot of people I meet who are bisexual, for them, they are open to maybe all genders, but they may have preferences uh, if someone is more masculine versus feminine. For me, that's actually not really the case. I like similar things in all identity, uh, sorry, in all gender identities. So mm-hmm. that's for me what it means. Yeah, good. Because I know a lot of people um, wonder about that. And, um, uh, uh, you know, they don't, they don't. So pansexuality is more like a sexual orientation where cisgender is your gender identity. Exactly. 
right? I love the the line. Um, you're uh, forget. I don't remember who said it, but you're. Um, oh, I'm gonna forget how to say it. Who? who oh, your sexual orientation. Wait, your gender identity is who I go to bed as. Your sexual identity is who I go to bed with. Right. I think you meant my, your gender identity is who you go to bed as and your sexual orientation is yes. who you go to bed with. Yes, Thank exactly. You. Yep, yep. Now, another thing people are going to ask and wonder about is what's the difference between um, having a transgender, um, trans female partner and a cross-dressing partner? Oh, that's an interesting question, too, because part of my uh, partner's journey was actually starting out with more of a cross-dressing and then leading into transgender. Um, I think the difference... I think that's an interesting question only because I have not personally been with someone who only identified as cross-dressing, but I mm -hmm. think the biggest difference is to do with how they express themselves as their gender. Someone who's cross-dressing but still identifies as male or masculine, um, I feel the interest in cross-dressing may not necessarily mean that they're going to act more traditionally feminine, for instance. Obviously, it's fluid and everyone's a little different. My partner, without a doubt, is a woman. Uh, when you talk with her, when you speak with her, the way that she it, um, presents herself and things like that, there, so it's so much of what she sometimes used to give to the outer world before she was out was such a mask. And so much what she shared with me privately was not what I would at all call very masculine or what I would even feel comfortable saying man, uh, based on what she's telling me and also how she's presenting herself. But again, I'm kind of using some binary terms to explain this. So it's very fluid and really depends on person to person. It really does. And there's a lot of controversy about do men, cross-dressers are usually not only, but usually cisgender heterosexual men who cross, uh, well, they call it, I mean, they don't even call it that anymore. They're calling it gender play where they, it feels it's erotic. You know, it's simply yes, sexual. Exactly. It's to get off. Right. It's not about being a woman. It's like feeling like a woman. However, there are some cishet men uh, and some gay men and bi men who uh, engage in this. And over time, it evolves into recognizing they're really trans, which it sounds like maybe was true for your trans. That was female. definitely the case for my partner. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And I know there's lots of people that, uh, I mean, I think it's getting clearer as time goes on, but I'm glad you brought that to our attention because there's so much controversy about that. Absolutely. I think it gets, I think the, the main thing I've had, I've learned through this process is, you know, social constructs are both harmful and helpful sometimes and anything just kind of goes. So how did you, you know, what kind of advice do you give to people when they come to you or they ask you, you know, I'm cisgender, my partner's transitioning and I'm struggling? Yeah, I think for me, it's important for that cisgender person to, first of all, have that space that is, again, and if we think of that circle, um, that's facing more outwards. Uh, I think for me, it's okay to sit with those feelings uh, for yourself and reflect upon them. I'm a big proponent that your feelings are always valid, but you should always be aware of your actions. So it's okay if you need to sit with those feelings and, and figure out what that means for you. Uh, what that means for the both of you, and to know that you're not going to have an answer right away. And also recognizing the fact that, yeah, there there could be a ch big change with your partner transitioning. Um, the hope is that they're going to be their, their true selves, uh, but maybe the person that they truly are ends up not being a person you're attracted to. And that's okay. 
that I think we all kind of go through that in relationships where someone at first acts a certain way and even when they're cisgender and then ends up becoming a, a different person. And that's that can happen here too. And it's within your right to choose of, is this still a person that I feel romantically attached to or is this a person that I no longer do? Uh, so having all of those kind of discussions with yourself and with a trusted person uh, about those feelings. And you may not have the answer to this, but I know that these are questions people ask too. Um, like for instance, when there's a mixed orientation relationship and it's a cisgender male and his cisgender female partner uh, comes out lesbian, um, he is not as likely to stay in that relationship or as long as when it's a cisgender female with a gay male. Uh, or a bi male. Women tend, even in two cisgender people, uh, the women usually stay longer um, than men do. Um, it, I wonder if that's the case here. If it was, if you were a cisgender male and a female partner or, or a um, assigned female at birth partner transitioned to trans male, do, do you know that information? I don't know at the top of my head, but considering what we often see with cisgender, especially heterosexual men. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we were seeing that's the case, only because there's unfortunately, and I think you can speak to this better than I can, just this big, I don't know how else to describe it, but just this these big feelings that I think certain cis men have with this idea of, you know, am I not straight all of a sudden and how that can be really hard to wrestle with if they're not already part of the LGBTQ community. Right. And the stigma that they would face and all of that. Yes, I know. Exactly. What else have we not touched on that you think is important for people to hear about uh, couples in your situation where one's cisgender and one's transgender? I think the main thing I want to also make sure is, is good to know is for me, it was really powerful to have uh, my partner come out as trans now, I know not everyone is in this situation, uh, but I was in a situation where my trans partner was essentially masking to a lot of the world, not everybody, but to a lot of people uh, about her true gender, her true identity. And that was hard for me because I loved the person she would show me in private. That was the person I wished everyone else could see. Uh, in some ways, I was actually less attracted to the mask she put out uh, than the, the true mm. person underneath. Yeah. And so when she finally was was out, uh, that was such a nice, it was just a nice time to be able to finally be open and not feel like I was hiding so much uh, from everybody. Uh, it was stressful, to be fair. You know, I, I did have to come out to people. I do have to explain things to people. And, you know, with extended family, I, I have had to help weather those conversations and such like that. But we've been pretty lucky that we have such a good core support that it We've been pretty shielded, I would say, from some of the worst of it. But that was, I think, the most beautiful thing to see was just for finally showing who she could truly be and who she truly was. I think it's also important with that to always go to your trans partner on how they want to be referred as. Mm. I mentioned this in the beginning, but this is so vital. Do not guess for your partner. Make sure you ask and be aware that the answer is going to change day by day because it changed for us. Originally, I could only use my partner's uh, dead name and, and wrong pronouns in front of family for her safety, and that did switch. And now it was the complete opposite. It was encouraging the use of it to make sure that family members did it correctly. And knowing that that's, that's what it's going to look like and those conversations should always be happening every time. And being open as a cis partner, being open to to change 
and just making sure that you are open to other trans people. You really cannot be a good cis partner if you show love to your trans partner, but not to trans people. I like that a lot. That's a really well stated um, thing to add. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. All right. So, Sarah, where can people find you on the internet and, and get a hold of you and maybe even make an appointment with you? I think it's best if you go through CRSH um, and go through uh, their number. I don't have it at the top of my head, but I'm sure you do. I do. Uh, and uh, going through there, and um, I am still kind of figuring out my schedule for appointments, but please give a call and we'll work with you. Yep. And CRSH is the Center for Relationship and Sexual Health, and our number is 248 248- Three nine nine seven four four seven, and we're pleased to have Sarah. She's been with us, I think, what six months now. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, and it's it's great, and she's taking clients, and um, we we really felt strongly about this being a good topic because it's so rarely spoken about. So, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for being on the show. Yes, thank you so much for having me. And if those of you listening, I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please go feel free to go and rate me. Um, and if you're a new listener, I hope you come back and you've enjoyed the show. And if you want to continue to follow me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. And it's at Dr. Joe Court, D-R-J-O-E-K-O-R-T. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be safe. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court. You can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.